So I'd like to um, offer some instructions for this day of practice and generally how um, the retreat works is every day at this time we'll be offering uh, pretty thorough instructions for the day. There may be at other sits very brief reminders, more often silence, so that it supports us to go deeper into the practice. And so, you know, we could say this is a, a four foundations of mindfulness retreat, insight meditation retreat. And it's interesting what the, the Buddha had to say about the foundations of mindfulness, uh, saying that this is the most direct way to experience realization. There's an aspect of the practice, of course, has its theories, teachings, but then there's the application of the practice itself, and that supports the realization. So we speak of uh, pati pati, that's the Pali for the, the teachings, and the, pari, um, the Pariveda is, uh, is the practice itself, and then this punya, this realization the theory or the teachings and the practice itself go together. And it was interesting when the Buddha first taught about the four foundations of mindfulness, towards the end he said that um, if you practice this for seven years, sincerely, you will get enlightened. And then he goes on to say you could practice this for six years. Sincerely, you'll get enlightened. Five years, four years, Three years, two years, one year, you get enlightened. And then he goes on to say, not only one year, but 11 months, 10 months, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one month, you'll get enlightened. And then he goes on to say, three weeks, two weeks, one week, you get enlightened. So even in one week, the Buddha pointed to the, the possibilities of of more awakening. And the teachings that are found in the four foundations of mindfulness, the first foundation is of the body, which we'll be working with today and tomorrow. And there'll be uh, the other foundations is the mindfulness of feeling tones, the third foundation, mindfulness of mind states, thoughts and emotions. And the fourth foundation, you could just consider a collection of teachings. They're not meditation objects per se. And actually, a number of the teachings found in the fourth foundation will be part of the themes of some of the Dharma talks later in the day, how to work with challenges, with the hindrances, how to, what are allies that are supportive for awakening, factors of awakening. And the teachings of, of suffering and its uh, causes in the path to great freedom, the four ennobling truths. What makes up identity, these aggregates and sense spaces. So all of these teachings found within the fourth foundation of mindfulness are often uh, part of the themes of some of the talks that are offered during the fourth foundation of mindfulness retreat. And within the body, there are six distinct practices. We're primarily going to be working with uh, the first three. Gathering our posture, one that is awake and comfortable. In the sutta itself, it says, and very much the Buddha was a forest monk, and uh, coming to the foot of a tree and sitting upright. And then attending to the mindfulness of breathing in and breathing out. And then the third is bringing our mindfulness into our day-to-day -day activities that I've already been um, introducing. The latter three are not going to be uh, taught within this retreat, but are very important practices. And there's times where we actually uh, do some retreats on these particular practices. But I want to at least name them because it's part of the first foundation of mindfulness of the body. So the fourth practice is an anatomical practice on the 32 parts of the body meditation. 
The fifth practice is a meditation on the four primary elements that exist within all material phenomena of solids, liquids, motion, and temperature. And the sixth practice is a, a practice of the mindfulness of death. Nine different contemplations on different stages of decomposition, beginning with the first day of death until the body turns into dust. The different stages of the breakdown of the body. And of course, it was this understanding of aging, illness, and death that Siddhartha Gautama was, had these realizations of these messengers. And again, in the Dharma, they're called heavenly because they wake us up. It was these types of realizations that brought him on the path. So this is a very powerful practice on the mindfulness of death. And it's interesting because I think there's an old Hindu proverb that says everyone thinks everyone else is going to die, but not me. And so this particular type of practice really takes root. This preciousness and fragility of this life. And again, what's set Siddhartha Gautama on this quest of, of, of uh, searching for what is this life? So in this establishment of these foundations of mindfulness that help support us to steady our mind and open to insight. So this practice of some sense of settling, collecting, gathering, developing our concentration, our steadiness. And in time, beginning to, with that steadied mind, beginning to experience and understand how whatever arises passes away. There's a reframe in the four foundations of mindfulness on the bottom of each teaching pointing to the impermanent nature of things, the origination of what's arising and the dissolution, the coming and the going. And so in whatever bodily position you're in, when we speak about mindfulness of the posture, there's essentially four postures. There's walking and standing and sitting and lying down. And of course, in yoga, there's thousands of different postures. And thank you, Yasmina, for bringing some mindfulness into the different ways we can attend to the body. But traditionally, we speak of this, the posture of walking that I'm going to offer some instructions about a little bit later. Some of us might prefer to stand. And I know some people that actually standing is their primary posture during a retreat. And so you're welcome to stand, particularly uh, as a antidote to a lot of sleepiness and tiredness. Standing can help to uh, keep us more awake. Of course, the sitting, sitting in a chair, on a cushion, on a bench, finding our sitting posture. And there's also the posture for some of us that might have some physical thing going on in the body and that lying is the preferred posture. This is certainly fine as well. And I would say there's two common elements to the posture. One and most important is to be awake. And the second is to be reasonably comfortable. If we're so uncomfortable, it's going to start, you know, you have too much pain. If it's so lax that so we get sluggish, the next thing you know, we're falling asleep. So sensing into your body right now, finding that perhaps for a few moments, that sweet spot of comfort and awakefulness. And of course, there's never a permanent sweet spot. What appears to be sweet might turn sour at some point. And we're going to learn how do we go with the flow of the body sensations and, and, um, at times, the skillfulness and the wisdom of shifting your position mindfully. But for now, just sensing into your body. Awake, comfortable, present. And it might take a few moments to do that if you need to adjust a little bit. So just, yeah, getting that place so you can be comfortable and awake. 
So collecting into our posture. And then within the um, first teaching of the foundation of mindfulness, it's offered to become mindful of the breath in and mindful of the breath out. And so beginning to bring awareness to your breathing. Breathing normally and breathing naturally. Sensing into where you feel the breath most prominently and distinct. This might take a little bit of time to really sense in that point of contact where perhaps you feel the breath as it comes in and out. For some, it might be in the inner nostrils or the tip of the nose or the upper lip. Others might feel the breath more prominently in the abdomen and the belly, expanding on an inhalation, contracting on an exhalation. Others may feel it in other places, such as in the chest or maybe more of a global sense of this whole body as it breathes in breathes out, a sense of lifting, like a balloon that's inflating on an inhalation and deflating on an exhalation. So sensing for a little bit and where you feel the breath most prominently and distinct. Just again, breathing normally, breathing naturally. And as you're breathing in, you're knowing, you're experiencing, you're knowing you're breathing in as you're breathing in. And as you're breathing out, you're knowing and experiencing the breath as you're breathing out. So it's unified, this knowing, experiencing. Nothing needs to be figured out or analyzed. Just the knowing and experiencing the breath as you breathe in and as you breathe out, being present. And I'd also like to just acknowledge that particularly in these more current times, there's been a lot of um, awareness about sensitivity and to recognize it, even though we are all universally breathing. There's no doubt about that. For some of us, the breath may not be the most suitable of objects. And so I'd like to just offer a couple of options that you could make as the primary object. One is to bring awareness into the ears and just listening to the different sounds. This is a wonderful object as well that we can bring our attention to inside the ears and just listening to sounds as they come and go. Just invite us to practice with this for a little bit right now. Just listening to the sounds within the immediacy of your own room, place where you are. Of course, there may be some sounds outside of the room. Just hearing. Hearing meditation. Listening to sounds as they come and go. Just as the breath comes in, and goes out, the sounds have beginning and endings, hearing meditation. And perhaps you can be aware of these sounds in a very core and basic way, just, just sound waves. Yes, of course, some sounds you may find that you like, some that you don't like, but underneath the like and the dislike is just sounds, audible formation 
herring meditation. So this could be a wonderful option that you could make your primary object instead of the breath. So you can experiment. Herring. And then just shifting now into the sensations within the body, the contact points. This is a third option. So I just want to offer you some options that you can make as your primary object to settle, to collect, to gather, to build your concentration, to steady the mind and the body. So there's the mindfulness of sensations, all of the different contact points that the body it's making contact with a chair, a cushion, floor. Contact of the hands perhaps on the lap, the eyelids closed, or if they're partially open, there's not a full recommendation to have your eyes have to be fully closed or fully open, but you see what works best for you. being mindful of the different sensations that they too, just like the sounds that are coming and going and the breath that's ebbing and flowing, the different sensations arising and passing. The mindfulness of sensations is another, yet another option that you could choose as a primary object. So essentially, I want to just suggest to keep it simple. It may be at first you experience each of these practices, but gradually anchoring into one, be it the sounds, or sensations, or the breath, steadying the mind. And it's fair to say that, of course, that for many of us, our minds will wander a lot to the future, into the past, fantasy, scrutinizing, comparing, liking, disliking the flood of emotions. So when they arise as you're practicing, it's important to acknowledge that this is what's here, so there's not any denial about it, if you will. But then since we're training particularly now at the beginning part of the retreat, to collect, to gather, to steady the mind, acknowledging wherever you went and coming back to that primary object. Again and again. And how we come back again and again is very important. And may we train with kindness. This training with kindness begins to uproot deeper conditioning that may think otherwise of being critical and judgmental with ourselves. So the sense of really bringing kind attending is not some type of a Pollyanna idea. It's actually interrupting deeply embedded conditioning that is critical and judgmental. And there's a beautiful teaching story by Pema Children that speaks about the wisdom of kind attending. She speaks about there's a puppy and it needs to be trained to learn how to sit and stay, learn some commands. And you can train a puppy in a very harsh and rigid and punitive way, fear-based way. And gradually in time, that puppy will learn those commands, but often their dispositions, they become rather skittish, nervous, kind of neurotic, kind of confused. 
And she goes on to say, you can also train a puppy with a lot of kindness and that repetition and bringing some love or some kindness into it. And, and gradually in time, that puppy will also learn the commands. But often brought up in an environment where there's some kind attending, that environment helps one to become much more confident and flexible. And so if we bring into our practice this harshness, it may just make us more neurotic and confused. As one teacher says, keeps on wrapping our lives in a knot. By contrast, training with kindness may help support us growing with greater confidence and flexibility. And, and kindness doesn't necessarily mean not giving effort. There is wise effort. Wise effort of knowing when to put more energy into what's needed because more energy is needed and recognizing at times when there's too much energy and the time to back off. So that wisdom of knowing when to apply and knowing when to um, find the middle path. So this kind attending will serve us. And if we did nothing for the whole of our hour but bringing it back every time our mind went off, or seems like almost every other moment, one teacher would say your hour is still very well employed, particularly if we're training in a kind way. It's helping to settle the mind, to prime the pump. We even know with weight training, it involves that repetition it begins to build the muscle, the repetition of bringing our mind back when it wanders off, begins to develop the muscle of concentration. So we'll go into a little silence now and the invitation to experiment. What, will eventually become your go-to, your anchor, be it with the breath or listening to sounds or feeling sensations, kindly attending and being present.
and suggest being present. And if you find in this moment you're somewhere else, kindly attending, coming back to the anchor, be it the breath or listening to sounds or feeling sensations, whatever object feels prominent, Kindly attending and being present.
So thank you. And this time each day as well, we'll have a little time for some some questions or clarifications about the instructions and uh, from the talk or the practice. And, um, and then sometimes we'll offer some announcements as well. It's just a short little period of time. But there's any thing that you want to bring up, you're welcome to raise your hand or electronically raise it. If there's anything. And may not be anything pressing right now. And I know we're just early in the retreat. And just to let you know, starting tomorrow at 11.15 and then 2.30, we'll begin to do a small group practice discussions where we'll have a opportunity for, for you to meet with one of the teachers in a small group of three or four people and have some time to check in about how the practice is going and challenges or questions or learnings. And um, I trust um, <clears throat> you just get on the, the retreat website. It will um, give you that guidance of where to go and what link to press and so forth. And, um, you yeah. know, I'll just pause for a moment, see if there's anything, and if not, I'm going to proceed with some instructions around walking meditation, if there's anything. So, all right, so we'll do a little walking practice, and there's a, a couple of different ways of doing walking practice, and what I want to introduce you to today is sometimes I almost like to call it like a narrow gauge or a laser beam where we're really paying very close attention to walking itself. I also want to say that if there's anyone in the room in our space here that walking is just something that's there's something going on with your body, you're not able to do the walking practice, then I will invite you to do whatever movement, and I'm grateful that Yasmin is offering some yoga, and or do whatever movement that would be supportive for you to be present. But if you are able to do the walking practice, I'd like to invite you to stand up mindfully now, and we'll do a few steps together. So coming into a standing position, and and as far as like the length of the walk, you know, like for right now, we, we maybe like two or three lengths of a yoga mat, so not not too long, and just starting at one end. We'll just take a few steps together right now, but then just proceeding on to shifting your weight onto your left hip. And lifting the right foot up, moving it forward, and placing it down. You'll find as you place it down, this is shifting of the weight again, lifting the left foot up, moving it forward, and placing it down. So you can just begin, just as you walk, the shifting of the weight, being aware of the lifting as you lift, the moving as you move, the placing as you place. Mindful of walking meditation. Step by step. Lifting, moving, placing. It's helpful at first to even kind of mentally note and say those 
words that's helpful, but if it's not so helpful, just knowing that you're lifting as you're lifting, knowing you're moving as you're moving, knowing you're placing as you're placing. Just taking our lives one step at a time. And when you come to the end of your lane, listen to your body. Your body will inform you whether you turn to the right or to the left. And then as you're turning, being mindful of turning as you turn. It's a very intricate to turn this body around and doing this mindfully. And then beginning to walk back step by step to where you first began. So just walking back and forth. Lifting, moving, and placing the foot, shifting of the weight, and again that lifting, moving, and placing. Walking mindfully, step by step. And of course, just like when we were doing the sitting practice and our mind uh, wandered off and we're treating ourselves to kindly bringing it back, the same way with the walking, the lifting, the moving, the placing, and then all of a sudden thinking about something else and becoming aware that you're somewhere else, kindly attending and bringing our awareness back to the lifting, moving, and placing. And I know it takes time to get into this practice of walking, so much of our time, our orientation towards walking is going from point A to point B. But here it's kind of reversing that trajectory. It's all point A. Not having to go anywhere except being aware of the lifting, the moving, and the placing. Gradually in time, we just come into the body with the walking and being present. So we'll just continue walking. And for those of you that are fine just exactly where you are in the room, walking back and forth, you're welcome just to stay. For those that would prefer to, to go outside, to find a spot not too far, it's not like a big hike type of thing, but again, maybe just two or three lengths of a yoga mat or so, or just not a very long walk and just walking and turning and walking back to where you started. We will um, come back to our sit at noon and just carrying on being present. Walking meditation. <laughs>